Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You're listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art. Check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter, view videos of our artist's work, and even listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Larry Madrigal. Larry is a figurative painter exploring the genre of portrait through a traditional painting style with contemporary urban sensibilities. He received a Bachelor of Fine Arts from Arizona State University in 2013, and since then his work has been exhibited in the Phoenix Art Museum, the Tucson Museum of Art, and international juried auctions across the country. Larry is also a recipient of Phoenix Art Museum's Contemporary Forum Emerging Artist Grant. He lives and works in Peoria, Arizona with his wife, Melinda, while teaching high school studio art in Scottsdale. Well, good morning, Larry, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on, Mike. Well, it's our pleasure. Uh, Glad you're here today, and let's start off by having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Uh, Well, I'm a a contemporary figurative painter, painter. Originally from California, but I called Phoenix, Arizona, my home now. I've been here for um, uh, since 1998, uh, and I pretty much just do portraits. That's kind of my main thing. Uh, I've been doing that for about five years now. It's just uh, using the portrait. It, it gives me a lot of opportunities to sort of look for different type of visual devices to uh, convey all sorts of different meanings. So I pretty much consider myself a portrait artist and. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I love teaching. That's something that I do on the side. And um, and that's kind of, that's that's a bit about me. I'm just a figurative painter here in the desert of Arizona, trying to uh, trying to just spend as much time in the studio as possible. Well, Larry, when did you first become interested in art? Um, uh, let's see. I have, to, I have to bring it back to when I was really little. I was always uh, fond of magic. As a little kid, I, I'm sure most kids go through this mm-hmm. phase where they love magic, but I really <laughs> love magic. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, the first time I did a drawing of something uh, that I saw from the real world into a piece of paper, it almost gave me that same feeling and some of like the basic sense of awe and wonder that, wow, I can recreate on this piece of paper this image that I'm seeing. And that's kind of where it all began. I remember doing a self-portrait. I had to been I had to be I had to be in first grade I think it was in blue pen I remember mm-hmm. and it was this obsessive little self portrait mm-hmm. and uh, I remember thinking to myself you know is this weird that I'm doing a a drawing of myself 
you know, and I'm trying really hard to get it right. <laughs> and I still remember that. <laughs> so it was really early on. I mean, after that, it was comic books and cartoons just copying and copying. And, and it was something that I've always kind of had in the back, in, in, you know, in the, my pocket, so to speak. Well, then at what age uh, did you become serious about your art and knew that that was, you know, what you wanted to devote your life to? Uh, that's a good question because I know a lot of artists, uh, I mean, every, most artists can say, you know, when they're young is when they're interested in it, but it's usually those who kind of at some point make that decision, right, that I'm going to do this for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. For me, <laughs> for me, it was always something that I knew I was going to do in high school, uh, it just it, it just seemed like it was the only thing I had, to be honest. I My parents didn't go to college. Uh, I'm the first in my family to go to college, the only one, actually. And, I mean, at the time, I just had no clue what else I would do with myself. I wasn't good at anything. <laughs> I just... Uh, so, in high school, I knew I wanted to be an artist, and uh, I did delve into sort of this urban street art kind of scene that I was around. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and soon after that, I went to a community college where I sort of became very insecure and unsure about this art decision, uh, but primarily through those, the financial stigma of being an artist. Um, mm-hmm. So I said, hey, you know what, I'll just do speech communications and then just do art on the side. And I started doing that for about, I think, a couple of years until I remember this one day, uh, it had to have been in 2010, I think, or 2009, 2009, 2010, I was right about to transfer into my upper division class levels at this community college for speech communications, which is this major that I was going for. And I just remember sitting there mm-hmm. thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> uh, I, was just, I, knew, I, I knew I was making a mistake, and it, just, it was very clear. It was this one moment I was sitting down thinking to myself, I'm doing this because I'm afraid. I'm going to do what I'm really passionate about. So I... You know, it was like next day I uh, went to the community college I was going and enrolled into art classes. And then from that point on, I mean, I have to say it was probably 2009 that I really said, this is what I'm doing, and that's it. Well, that's a wonderful story. And and it is. You a lot of artists, and, and some some don't make, make the decision that the arts is going to be part-time thing and, you know, and, and for some people, that's that's all it becomes. Other people, they retire at some point in their lives and they turn back to art. But there are people in, that make a living in being an artist or in the art field. You know, some some may be doing graphic artworks for you know advertising companies or something like that. But at least they still have their hand in the art, even though that may be not what they wanted to do. Right. That's another thing too. It's uh, I remember thinking about doing graphic design things, but it was just, you know, the more and more I think about it, it's just, I have this deep desire to make these certain type of paintings, and if I'm not making them, it's at the point where I feel, you know, pretty depressed. And then I've been listening to a lot of artists, and this is not uncommon. I thought I was the only one for some time where, you know, if I'm not making paintings, I'm just depressed. Mm -hmm. I, I can't function. You know, I can't be present anywhere. I'm just, I need to be in the studio. And been listening to a lot of artists and I'm starting to find that's a really common really common thing that goes around with with uh with artists and so I just knew that if if I was gonna do this, I was gonna do this for myself and then if people enjoy this then uh, awesome. And if not then I'm still gonna do this. 
<laughs> well, and of course, you're teaching art, which uh, is an admirable thing to be doing as well. And so, I, and I, I know a lot of artists. That's how they, you know, that at least provides a a steady income. But you know, they're also they're still doing their passion. And the main thing, of course, is being doing whatever you're passionate about doing. So, yeah, that's. Uh... One of the things that you know, I, I look at this job, and I don't teach. I don't teach at an art school. It, it is a public charter that emphasizes, mm-hmm. you know, the classics, and so I get to teach a lot of technique right. and those kind of things. So, you know, they are. I am teaching them some really good uh, drawing techniques and stuff like that, which I don't. I don't know if you get at any other public school. I'm sure you do. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I look at it as an opportunity to kind of introduce these students who might not otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, be interested in art or never make art ever. And so I, I try to give them right. that full art making experience and uh and just to be that vessel to me is, is kind of a awesome thing to see happen with some of these kids. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And yes, uh I think that unfortunately, you know, usually art and music in, in a lot of school systems today have been, you know, taken out because of budget concerns or whatever. But yet, those are really the you know the keys about art is that it opens up the mind to do other things. So I think kids will do better in school if they have an opportunity to be creative as well. Right. I always tell my students, you know, I'm 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 not a delusional. I'm not going into this class <laughs> knowing that you guys are gonna change their your major to fine art as a matter of fact if anyone would i'd be more nervous you know i'd probably have a you know target on my back or something <laughs> you know most of these kids are going into engineering and they they're biology they're they're and most of them by the by the point because they're, they're 12th graders they're seniors they're almost at col- going to college so most of them know exactly what they're going to do and if, they, if any of them change their major to fine art you know i'm sure I'm, uh, i'll be getting some emails <laughs> But um, <laughs> from, from from mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, what did you do? What did you you know you've ruined my child my child's life. <laughs> but uh, I told them, hey, this is a class that you need in, to uh, to develop a certain side of you to bring into this new endeavor that you guys are going into. And uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of them they are so, they get they are so surprised with what they're able to come up with. Giving, giving a safe place to come up with ideas and try them and just take that courage mm-hmm. um, in making art. So that that's a beautiful thing to see as a teacher teaching people or teaching students at a non-art school. Um, so yeah, that's a that's awesome to watch. Well, again, I commend you for it. I think that's a it's just an awesome thing of of teaching young people the values and. Of, of art and what art can mean to to them. Well, Larry, uh, let's talk about uh, your art now. We, we, you do predominantly figurative art. Uh, where do you get the inspiration for your art? And then walk the audience through, after you have your inspiration, how you go about creating your art. Inspiration. Wow. Uh, well, let's see. It There's just so much. It comes from so many places, but... I would say I'm just really I've always been interested in figurative art. Um you know, I've I've always been attracted to just the old masters, probably mo- most people would say that. Most people that are figurative artists, you know, are pretty much inspired by the old masters, Rembrandt, Michelangelo and all that. Um but just mm-hmm. there's something about that the countenance of a human face, 
that presence of another person uh, with its, with you know full of its full of the person's story, full of the person's sensibilities, uniqueness, and all that that really draws me. And so a lot of my portraits, I try to make every portrait kind of a this this moment where this person can just be in this in its full glory represented in, in a way. But um, mm-hmm. so I find my inspiration a lot from just friends who have uh, a really strong presence in my life who are very committed in the community. A lot of these people are actually musicians or artists or poets who are very engaged with their community and getting kids out of uh, bad situations like uh, drug abuse and um, crime and stuff like that. So these are, these are you'll, you'll see in my body of work, there are a lot of these, uh, a lot of these people that I paint are actually to what I call uh, cultural saints or cultural heroes, you know, the unheard of kind of groups in inner cities doing lots of events, music events, uh, dance events, and these are primarily a way to get the community involved, get the kids involved to kind of take on a new craft in order to keep themselves just away from trouble pretty much. And so, you know, I'm working on this series that I'm calling Sainthood. And, uh, you know, the hood is this term that is used a lot in uh, urban mm-hmm. hip-hop culture. And so I thought making a series of these uh, maybe, you know, what I call urban theologians or urban saints. And, and that's what a lot of my work is. You see, you'll see, you see a lot of figures posed looking directly at the viewer. And I'm trying to show a, a sense of sacredness without always doing the halo. Um, and so that's kind of what my work is about, uh, pretty much. Just modern-day saint paintings, pretty much. You know, they, you've seen a lot of them in the old in, in art history, um, and they just kind of stopped. If you, if, you, if, you, if you look at art history, a lot of the old masters have lots of saints, and so I kind of see my work as a continuation of that. Well, Larry, your, your portraits are very wonderful, and they're very lifelike. And from someone that uh, I have trouble drawing stick stick figures, Tell the audience every at least every figurative artist I've talked to they have a a method of how they they do their paintings. What is your method in in capturing the the person's image that you do um, i do i slightly change up my method, but I do have a basic outline of how I go about um, I do references from life or sometimes from photography, but I usually always start off with an underdrawing or an underpainting. So it'll either be, I used to do charcoal drawings on the canvas, not fully realized, mm-hmm. just sort of a, a couple of uh, points where the eyes are and things like that, a little bit of mm-hmm. uh, information on where the valleys are in the shadows. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll lock that in through either fixative or some, some other um, shellac wash kind of lock in that drawing if i don't do that i'll paint i'll try to draw it on with paint so i'll get you know some umbers or some earth colors on a slightly toned canvas and then just kind of sketch in the figure um and sometimes you know i i I try to get that underdrawing a little more realized and once that's there then i just go on full color on top of those layers um i do that several times my paintings are not (laughs) They're not all of Prima paintings, and even if I wanted them to be, I just I don't have the time to do a 
painting in about three sittings. So what mm-hmm. what what happens is my work stays on the easel for long periods of time. So I go back into these paintings while they're dry, and so it's just multiple layers and layers and layers. And you know, an eyeball, I would I might change the place of it, you know, a month later. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> that's kind of you know, and I do change the process a little bit. So sometimes I don't do an underdrawing that's so realized. Sometimes it's really sketchy. Um, I used to use the grid to transfer my drawings. I don't really do that anymore. I try to I try to do it all on the canvas uh, with a brush nowadays. But so yeah, it's multiple layers going over, uh, and then after that, I start to glaze with, with richer colors. So I have this painting that's uh, the colors are very subdued, not very vibrant. And then once I, I do that, I start layering in some thin layers of oil paint. Uh, once the painting is dry, actually, you know, I'm going to make sure it's fully dry, and I start doing some thin layers of color. And then I'll paint thickly on top of that later on. And so it's just a really, I, I look at it sort of like a battle. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've had any painting that was a smooth road from start to finish. It's always been a battle, but I I like that battle because without that battle, without that going back and forth and and trying to figure out what kind of texture do I want, what kind of color do I want, having that kind of wrestling with the painting, I feel like it gives the painting a new life. There's uh, Mm -hmm. the the, the layers become more rich. Um, And I, you know, some some people don't like that. They want to see a smooth surface, but I'm starting to like that surface that has some grit to it, some of that crudeness to it. Mm Um, I do have some earlier paintings where I didn't like that, so you'll see the surfaces a little more uh, even. And uh, now I'm really attracted to a little more crudeness in and throughout my paintings in certain places. Well, and Larry, uh, on average, how long does it take you to complete one of your paintings? Um, That depends. I mean, it can be... A portrait can go from, you know, anywhere from three weeks to three months. It really just depends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even with small work, uh, I'm just not satisfied with, oh, how can I say this? I, I, I don't know. There's something in me that just doesn't let the painting. I, I don't I don't like to finish a painting. I heard someone say this. I forget who it was. But they said, don't, don't finish the painting. Finish the painting when you believe it is finished. And I have professors and mentors always tell me, you know, there is no rush. you got to do what it takes to get the painting where you want it to be for yourself. And so mm-hmm. it, it makes me spend lots and lots of time with these paintings, even though they're just portraits. Um, uh, the digital images don't show that much, but the skin surface, the skin surface I want it to look fleshly and round and, I, I do like to see some of the thick paints, but uh, I don't know. I'm more interested in having just a really, how can I put this? Because my paintings are not really textured. There's just something about working at a, into a painting for at least two months that to me just brings the painting to a different level. Um, mm-hmm. I do admire a lot of these short uh, one-sitting studies that you see where the paint's really juicy and it looks just, there's so much finesse and so much control of the brush. I don't have that much control, even if I tried. I've always tried to have you know, my, my hands shake. I don't know, maybe I drink too much coffee or something. But uh, but I do like 
you know, I, I do like these paintings, how they look after about two or three months where there's just so much layers underneath and you get some of that come out, some, some of the thick layers, some of the thin layers are coming through. Um, and then when I do that, uh, I get this really strong sense of depth in my paintings where when you're standing in front of the canvas, there's certain elements of the painting that do appear as they're floating closer to you in real life. And I, I don't think I can do that unless I'm spending lots of time uh, with, you know, thick layers and thin layers of glazes and, and stuff like that. So definitely, uh, I think a sweet spot for me would be three months. Three <laughs> months would be a sweet spot. If I, could, if I do it in three months, I, I did great. You know, but I want to I wanted do, you know, my favorite painters, almost all of them, they make paintings in a year, two years, you know, and I feel like uh, I want I, I want to be like, <laughs> you know, I, I meet a lot of people, friends who who, who make work, and they, they're just cranking out work. And sometimes I get jealous. I was like, oh man, I want to I want to make work that fast. But then I, I look back at my heroes, and no, nope, even even one of my heroes, Albrecht Albrecht Durer, uh, I, I read some of his letters to some of his clients, and and he would say things. He would say things in a, in a letter like, I'm quoting, you know, if I work uh, from sun up to sundown, I will have your painting ready in less than 13 months. <laughs> and so <laughs> stuff like that. Stuff. And I remember when I read that quote, I thought to myself, thank goodness, okay, so it's, I can do this. I have time. So uh, I, like, I like the amount of time I have because, you know what, you know, the more I look at it, uh, I, I change things. I, I, I'm always looking and seeing my paintings and seeing new things. And so, I, I encourage my students and I, I encourage other other painters to take your time. There's no rush. I know we live in an age where you know Instagram and and uh, social media. You got to keep cranking things out <laughs> to get followers. But I think in the long run, it's those paintings. It's it's those paintings that take a long time. In general, not always. There's you know John Singer Sargent was amazing, but. Uh, I guess, you know, you have to see your, what, what's your intention. If you're making paintings fast just to get paint, paint done, to get paintings out, uh, I don't know if that'll, you know, that'll last as long or be as strong as just having one amazing painting that you in you know, years doing. So I take a long time, Mike. <laughs> I take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, uh that's wonderful, and a lot of artists do, and other artists, like you say, I know several artists that uh, um, have that ability to just, you know, crank one out. Now, you know, I'm not saying that it's, uh, you know, in one day, but I know some artists who do the figurative art, of course, and now they're working full-time on their art, so they're in their studio, you know, at least five days a week, and they can usually crank one out within a couple of weeks, if not sooner. But, you know, I, I think it's just all up to the individual artist. And, and the thing that I tell people is it's not it's not because some, you know, some people say, well, I heard where, you know, the 30-day challenge where you do, a, you know, an art piece a day. Well, the whole point of that isn't to be cranking out art per se. It's about spending time doing your craft every day. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that you finish the piece, but that you paint every day. Even if you know, because for some people it's a, 
you know, the time allotment that they have to give to their art can be very small. So, but even if it's just one hour a day, that's better than, I'd rather see you do one hour a day than say, okay, well, for all day Saturday, I'm going to, I'm just going to paint. I I think they're better off spending it, taking, if they can carve out an hour out of each day and then paint, they're better served. That's my opinion. No, and you're right. Um, There's another thing too, is it's not, uh, you know, a lot of times, Painters are cranking out lots of paintings, but they're studies, you know, they're, they're one-day mm-hmm. studies, one-hour studies, right. um, right. three-hour studies. And, and those, you know, they're just building in that m- muscle memory, trying to um, figure this thing out <laughs> And while they mm-hmm. have something in the, in the easel for, for a long time. But, yeah, and that's another – that's a good point you mentioned because I, I'm not in the studio eight hours a day, so I do have that, um, mm-hmm. you know, smaller chunks of time during the day uh, – after teaching, so I come into the studio and then pull those long days on the weekend too. So that's another. That's actually a good point. That's another reason why I do take a long time because it is, um, it is something that I do, um, I think sparingly. I'm kind of in here when I can, and and uh, but even when I did, you know, there, there was a time where I was in here every day, and I mean, they just for some reason they still take so long. <laughs> I was going to say, I know, uh, I know several artists, and one in particular just comes to mind, who's his, his studio and his home are one in the same. Uh, he he had purchased he's purchased an old Catholic church, a small Catholic church in his little hometown, and turned that into his home, and it's his studio, and it's his gallery, and uh, and that was his complaint was that. He never he never feels like his work is done because he'll get up in the middle of the night, see the painting, and say, you know, that's not right. And the next thing you know, he says, I know it's you know six a.m. and I'm working on that painting again. So, oh yeah, you know, he's just constantly messing with them. So yeah, that's how it is. Uh, I it's hard to sleep <laughs> at night. It's hard to have a good day when you know the next the last night was terrible. You know, it's just kind of. <laughs> You know, po- you know, in the back of your mind, I, I had the same experience today. I was working on a portrait last night, and just something wrong with it. Trying to figure out what it is. <laughs> I even projected a, mm-hmm. an image of it to my students. And said, hey, can you guys help me out here? What do you see? <laughs> you know, I, so <laughs> they got to help me out a little bit. But yeah, it's definitely one of those things that you know, if you, some artists, you know, I, I just, I, I don't feel good about. Um, going to sleep or anything if, if these paintings aren't looking the way I want them to. Well, Larry, this, I think this is a good spot to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, talk about a couple of the pieces that you have here on the gallery. Sounds good. I want to let our listeners know that you can view and purchase Larry Madrigal's artwork by going to Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Click on the Search by Artist tab and then click on the Gallery Featured Artist and then look for Larry Madrigal's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants. So if you're an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the Artist Member Corner and follow the prompts under the Member Application Process tab. And if you're a designer or an architect or just a lover of great art who believes that art can turn a house into a home, 
and come visit us and review some of the wonderful art created by some of the finest artists from around the world. You can search by style, medium, color, size, and, of course, by the individual artist. And again, to view Larry Madrigal's beautiful art, just click on the search gallery and then click on the Gallery Featured Artist tab. Larry, let's talk about uh, a couple of pieces that you have here on the gallery, and let's start off with Johnny Cheatwood. Okay, so Johnny Cheatwood is what I call a breakthrough piece. That's kind of uh, one of the paintings where I, uh, you know, the image, the actual subject matter is the same as everything else is a portrait. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. there's a, this is what I call a baby step where, I take a further step in this painting that I didn't before, which opened the door to a a kind of a new, a slightly new direction in my work that eventually lead to bigger paintings and, 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 uh, and uh, more uh, just a a different development in my work. And so here in this one, I was looking and listening to a lot of work by Rembrandt and listening to the artist Vincent Desiderio, who is uh, an artist represented by, I think, Marlboro Gallery in New York. And he is, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, he, he's a pretty big, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't call him a figured painter, definitely representational, but uh, teaches at the New York Academy of Art. And so I've been listening to him a lot. He's, I'm a big fan of his work and, uh, and in this painting, I embraced a more uh, an approach to this to a painting that has more concern for texture and shapes. And and, it, and if you look at the painting, it's pretty much just a portrait <laughs> of a guy where mm-hmm. the horizon line kind of strikes his neck, his head floats mm-hmm. slightly above the horizon line, and his jacket is below. And I was really interested in this urban landscape, which is Los Angeles behind him, and all those little shapes. That is the breakthrough for me. Most of my portraits before that had very quiet backgrounds. Very, um, you know, it's easy for a figurative artist to, and I see this in, in a lot of contemporary art too, there's a portrait, either a clean colored background or something very simple, and it's just about the figure. So this is a painting that I started incorporating, you know, a city with shapes that kind of zigzag your way up from one side to the other, and I uh, started playing around with different uh, paint layers on the jacket. There's a lot more thick layers there, and and um, and trying to get that that you know that tactile Rembrandty kind of feeling that that paint. And it's not as it's still not as juicy as other paintings and thick and impasto, but mm-hmm. it's enough to kind of get start to get me to that direction. Uh, so there there's if, if there's a part in the bottom left that there's wall that I really enjoy. It might be hard to see on the digital, digital image, but uh, so that's one of the paintings that I really enjoy. I have it here in my studio. I look at it a lot just to remind myself, okay, this is the next step in my work. I'm not going back. I'm going to con- con- continue exploring this type of work. And so, yeah, he's a, and, and just, you know, concerning the subject matter, he is a good friend of mine here from Phoenix who moved to Los Angeles. So he's making paintings now. He's in a He's an artist, I think, uh, represented by Prohibition Gallery in Culver City. And so this mm-hmm. is kind of um, a painting that is kind of speaking to his new home. He, he's by a ledge. There's Los Angeles right behind him. Uh, he's he's on this side first, and there's a sketchbook between him and Los Angeles um, on that ledge. And it's kind of a, you know, an idea of him 
making Los Angeles his new home. And then, you know, also in that glorified and dignified sort of feel. So that's, that's that painting. I really, really enjoyed a lot. And uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's what I call my uh, <laughs> transitional painting. Well, that's a good point uh, in looking at uh, some of the other pieces you have on the gallery. You're right. There's a, you have soft backgrounds on some of them and, uh, and then this one and one other one we'll talk about here in a minute, but where you have a, a backdrop behind the the figure that you're painting. Very, very detailed. I do like that. That is a, a awesome painting. Thank you. Yeah, it's um yeah, if I if I were to do it again, I would do it full size. I would do the feet, I would do the whole ledge, I would do the entire city of Los Angeles mm-hmm. in the background and <laughs> you know, make it a ten foot by ten foot by ten foot painting. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I look at this in my studio and I just, man, I wonder what this would have been like if I did a 10-foot by 10-foot painting, the full body there. I think it would have been a lot more powerful. Hey, who knows? I might do that again. I mean, there's nothing that stops me. You know, nothing's stopping me. <laughs> might as well That's do it. Right. Well, let's also talk about another painting, uh, St. Propaganda of Los Angeles. That one is slightly before Johnny Cheatwood, and that one, if, you, if I put them next to each other, they almost have the same, you know, the same layout. Their hand is towards the bottom of the picture plane. Their head is somewhere towards the top center. Um, Propaganda's is, uh, and that one is slightly before this painting, so you, if you were standing in front of this painting, the surface is smooth, uh, nothing really pops up. There's no real tactile texture to the paint. But this is one of my actual favorite paintings. This one is uh, Jason Petty. He is a Angeles-based hip-hop artist. Uh, he's also a poet and a very uh, strong voice for social justice there. And he is one of these cultural saints that I admire, and so I really wanted to make a painting of him. And uh, so he was willing to pose for me. I took some photographs. I, I couldn't get him. In, I couldn't get him into my studio. This was after a concert. You know, I sat with him and said, "Hey, I'm doing a series called Sainthood, and you know, you fit perfectly." And you know, there he was with his coffee cup, and I was a, took some pictures of him, and uh, and then that was it. And so I came back to the studio and you know, had, uh, pieced the painting together because he, he 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 did a lot of different poses. So you know, that that hand, that arm, it, you know, is not in the same photograph as that face. So I, I did some tweaking with with drawings underneath. And, um, so that painting is about just his, I wanted to picture him also like the saints, but, you know, the way he's holding his coffee cup, I, I chose that one because he, if you listen to his poetry and his music, is very, uh, how, do I, how do I say this? He definitely doesn't do music or poetry in any standard way. He kind of does his own thing. And, and it, it sounds a little, a, little, a little off, a little interesting, and so I wanted to communicate a sense of, uh, you know, doing things his own way. So he holds a coffee cup backwards, tilted with his fingers kind of, you know, this aggressive, <laughs> this aggressive hold <laughs> on this coffee cup, looking at the viewer with this pose like, you know, like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm holding this coffee this way. What are you going to do? Um, but that that's kind of one of the paintings that I really like because that coffee cup in that hand, really does protrude from the picture plane. So you're standing in front of it. It is in your space. He's kind of invading your space. And um, head is slightly tilted. And, and Los Angeles, again, in the background. And so uh, it's just another saint painting. And uh, 
he, uh, you know, bringing some of the cool colors from the background into his uh, shirt that he's wearing, and then, you know, the picture really glows with the warm colors of his flesh. Uh, so he has that sort of Baroque or, you know, old master type of three, uh, lighting uh, coming from above. But I really like uh, that's one of my favorite paintings, and uh, I'm pretty fortunate enough to have it included in an upcoming exhibition at the Tucson Art Museum called Body Language. So it's going to be an exhibition about just uh, uh, modern and contemporary painters and how they use the figure in subtle ways and uh, using visual devices to convey. Uh, and so this is a painting that fell into that category through the pose and through the way he's holding the cup. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, how did you uh, manage to be included in that, Larry? I'm sure that there's there's story there. Yeah, well, I wasn't looking for it. It was kind of a... There, okay, so I mentioned Vincent Desiderio earlier. So there is a collector that I heard owns one of his paintings, and, and uh, I was trying to locate this collector who I don't think uses email, so I was trying to find that, and I heard he lived in Tucson and was, and, and, and was a, a good friend of the Tucson Art Museum. So I contacted the Tucson Army team. Hey, have you heard of this collector? I heard he has a painting. I just want to see if he's willing to, you know, let me visit and see it because I, you know, want to see this certain painting. It's an early Vincent Desiderio. Uh, I think it's called Theater of Convention. And uh, so yeah, uh, I, I heard I heard he owned it. So I was trying to get a hold of him, and, and I come in contact with the curator, the chief curator of the Tucson Art Museum, who then, uh, you know, was gracious to. Uh, let me know that she's going to talk to this person and let them know that I was trying to reach out. And, and in, doing, in doing so, she asked to see a few of my images, so I sent some of my work over to her, and uh, it just so happened, I mean, it was kind of a fluke, and it just so happened that uh, she was putting together this exhibition. And uh, this painting, uh, St. Poppy Ten of Los Angeles, she felt was a perfect fit for what she was trying to to do. She asked me first before she let me know what she was what was going on, you know, to talk about mm-hmm. the painting. And so I went ahead and talked about the, the the way he's holding the cup and his posture and all those things. And from that moment, she said, "Hey, this is a good fit. Would you like to include this? You know, we want to include this in the show." So from that point, it, it, was, it was that was it. No, that's wonderful. That is very wonderful. Well, congratulations. I'm sure you were very excited. That is, those opportunities don't always come very often. So that that's that's a, that is just wonderful. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, when she, I was excited already when when she let me know, you know, that they weren't really interested in showing it. But then when she gave me the list of all those who were going to be included in the show, that's when I really, <laughs> I almost yeah. felt I am on. Un- I am unworthy <laughs> to be in such presence. <laughs> you well, know? I think you are looking at your art. Uh, the the thing that stands out in all of your paintings and drawings is you do capture the essence of the person. I mean, you at least I get that feeling that you caught, you made that person. You you've caught them and able to to put their essence there on the canvas. So. I, I'm very impressed and, and have enjoyed your your figurative art very much. Oh well, thank you very much. I mean, that's that's one of the goals of portrait painting is, uh, you know, capturing the inner person and um, not just the appearance, um, which is 
something that I want to keep doing. You know, I don't. I, I want the viewer to look at this uh, canvas uh, covered in colored goop and feel like they're interacting with a person or some idea <laughs> through this <laughs> colored goop on a wall. I just think that's fascinating. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh, I, there, there's a lot of painters that I like who do sort of portrait painting, but what I'm starting to see a lot in contemporary art, and and I, I like the way it looks, but it's it's this sort of pixelation or dissolving of the face uh, that I see a lot in mm-hmm. contemporary art. We see a, a, a portrait painting, or I don't even I don't know if I consider it a portrait. Maybe it is a portrait, but where the face is nicely painted but then scraped off or pixel you know like the the cheeks or the parts of the face starts to dissolve and pixelate into the background the background color starts to pixelate into mm-hmm. the face and you get this sort of impersonal moment and uh i really like the way it looks but i mean personally I, i'm i'm really interested in not losing uh not losing that countenance uh of the face mm-hmm. Right now, you know, uh, abstract art. Um, slowly trying to figure out how to make my paintings more abstract without losing that strong representation. And what I mean by that is, um, a lot of times, figurative artists, and I get tempted to do this a lot. And uh, if you know, it, it looks amazing. So I don't blame them for doing it. It looks really nice. It's when you, mm-hmm. you know, you want your work to be sort of abstract. And so, um, you, you, you know, you do the portrait and then you, you have this temptation to kind of make wild brushstrokes all over the place and things that don't make sense because you want it to be abstract, but you do want it to be portrait. You know, it's, it's like you have two loves. You know, you want this, but you want that. <laughs> and, and sometimes as figure the painters, we don't know how to – I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't know how to do this. Uh, we want both. You know, we want that beautiful mm-hmm. uh, elements of abstract art, which does more with shapes and color and line work. Mm-hmm. But we also want a strong figure, and <laughs> we don't know what to do. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the challenge of how to make my work abstract by starting to pack in more shapes in the background by using opportunities like uh, a landscape in the background or putting my figure in more interesting places so that the figure is also interacting with all these shapes around so that when you look at it from a distance and squint your eye, it's sort of abstract in the fact that the painting is broken up into so many different sections. And a, an artist who does this very well, and is probably one of my painting heroes, is Jerome Wicken. And uh, he has figured out how to make paintings abstract without losing a strong commitment to the figure. And uh, and he, 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 you know, there's no need for him to do these pointless brushstrokes in certain places. Uh, because he has his paintings packed with so many shapes, and uh, he's just amazing. He's definitely one of my heroes, and I think my work is starting to, you know, fall into a direction that you can see some connection between some of my newer paintings, which are not on the website, but they'll be uh, uh, they'll be in my in my actual website uh, soon once I get these posted. But just a lot more interaction with the figure and the surrounding space. Um, and the colors just more vibrant and stuff like that. But that's definitely a challenge to figurative artists because uh, when it comes down to it, you know, people don't really people don't really buy portraits of people they don't know unless there's some sort of nostalgia or, or you know the artist's name or something. But uh, and so I think a lot of figurative artists really deep inside want to do these figures that are fully realized and and you know show the face. 
And it could be tempting to kind of depersonalize the figure in order for it to be more, um, I guess, accessible to the viewer or, you know, uh, sellable. But I won't, I'm not saying all artists who do that is for those reasons. But I, I, I felt the temptation myself to do those things because, you know, it's kind of like, okay, everyone's doing it. Maybe I should do it too. Uh, but I can't. I love the face. <laughs> I love the face. Mm-hmm. I love working with the facial features and just feeling like this, you know, this goopy paint is looking at me in my easel. <laughs> <laughs> but Jerome Wicken, definitely one of my favorite artists. He he does this a lot. And, uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I said I'd do my last portrait about three portraits ago. <laughs> I just can't get away from it. And, uh, and I think I, I want that challenge. I want to be able to eventually have a, portrait painting that also has a very strong compositional abstractness to it that um, it serves two purposes. It has uh, exciting shapes and stuff, but you still have a strong figurative presence in the picture. And uh, yeah, that, that's hard. I'm, I'm still, fi- I'm really still trying to figure that out. But they, they say, uh, they say painting is an old person sport. I've heard uh, one of my mentors said that. So um, I, you know, I feel like I'm barely getting in the game if that makes sense. Well, Larry, I'm sure you will figure it out, and yes, it does. Uh, I tell people that, you know, art's a talent, just like uh, anything else, and I equate a lot of times to sport that it's it's all about practice, practice, practice. Uh, Michael Jordan and Curry are great examples. Uh, you know, Curry shoots, I forget, it's, it's like in the thousands and thousands of shots in the offseason that yeah. the guy makes you know, practices. And so, you know, great basketball players, great football, great athletes practice. They practice their tra- their craft. And great artists do the same thing. They practice their craft. So. Oh, yeah. And the things that they do, you know, the, the sacrifice to get there, it's just, you know, one of my painting professors one time, <laughs> I remember <laughs> this is the first day in art school, so I'm, I'm in his class. He's a painter. He, he's one of my painting heroes, too. Now, no one even knows, no one has, no one really knows him, but, man, he's got, so many awesome paintings he just never shows them. Uh, his name is Jerry Schutte, and he's one of my heroes. I don't, I don't know if he knows it. Maybe he does. But he, it was his, it was the first day in school, and I was sitting down, and he was talking about this whole painting and that thing. And uh, he has a really, you know, he speaks kind of slow and pauses between it. And, and he said, he said, you know, painting is a very lonely thing. Like making art is a lonely thing. And, and he, and he says. <laughs> He looks up into just a blank space in the wall, and he just says, I pretty much have no friends. (laughs) And I just thought to myself, I thought to myself, man, do I really want to do this? uh, But the point he was making, the point he was making was that, you know, if you're going to spend hours and hours in the studio, this is something you really, you know, you you, you must want really bad because, you, you know, you might not spend as much time with, with a lot of people if you're going to spend, be spending hours and hours in the studio. But it's, it's like, you know, like you said, those athletes, the things that they do sometimes, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, the discipline they have, uh, you know, when everyone else is doing certain things, socializing, they're practicing. And uh, not to say that, you know, you can't be an artist and have a social life. I know there's artists who are very, uh, they're people, uh, people persons and, and uh, have great relationships, but that stuck with me. <laughs> So, yeah, 
I hope I'm his friend now. I hope he has one at least. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure he does. Well, Larry, it's been wonderful talking to you today, and uh, thank you for joining us today on An Artist Speaks. Oh, thank you, Mike, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, hopefully this won't be the last time I hear from you. Well, I hope we'll talk again soon, and we look forward to seeing more of your art. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I also want to thank our listeners for being with us today, and again, to view Larry Madrigal's stunning art, to listen to this interview, and of course, purchase some of Larry's art, visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online. I want to let all the artists listening in today know that Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the Art Competition tab and follow the prompts till you come to the application. And while you're there, you can also check out all of our upcoming competitions and the exhibitions. And if you're an architect, an interior designer, or lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, then visit us at Contemporary Art Gallery Online and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. So please sign up so you can keep up with all that is happening at the gallery. And Artist Speaks airs every other Saturday morning, so we'll meet again in two weeks. But next Saturday at the same time, be sure to listen to our show, The Business of Art, hosted by artist and published author Sharon Hawkshaw. And she shares tips and ideas on how artists can grow their business. Again, thank you for listening to us today, and have a great rest of your weekend. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.